deeply ingrained in the hockey culture to ever criticize or call out a goaltender. Not my goaltender, not your goaltender, not anyone's goaltender, not in any context. Unless you are Barry Trotz and you get away with it. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. The Penguins opened the Stanley Cup playoffs yesterday with a 4-3 overtime loss to the Islanders that was almost entirely on the shoulders of Tristan Jari. Three awful goals in regulation, and then one in overtime that I feel he should have been able to stand up instead of dropping to both knees and allowing Kyle Palmieri the few inches that Palmieri seized by making a terrific shot. Awful, just awful. I was racking my brain afterward trying to recall the last goaltending performance in a playoff game by the Penguins that was this awful and couldn't come up with one. Not being dramatic here. If you can come up with one, go ahead and name it. I couldn't. A single performance by a goaltender in which you saw floating wrist shots sailing in from long distances over the glove hand. And those being what defined the game. Well, it turns out Trotz was the one who defined the game several days earlier. This guy's good at this, and he's been doing it for a long, long time. There are no longer many coaches in the NHL that exercise any form of gamesmanship in public. It is an almost completely lost art. Mike Sullivan won't touch it with a 10-foot pole, just doesn't believe in it. He'll never say anything negative about the opponent. He'll never drop hints. Uh, He won't even go after refs. He'll find a way to gruffly say something like you'd have to ask them or whatever, but he's never going to criticize them. You're never going to have a podium scene with Mike Sullivan. Trotz believes in using us, the media, in his own way to try to gain every advantage he can in every forum that he can. So there he went. This was last week after the Islanders last regular season game, and the inevitable questions came up about facing Pittsburgh. It was the night that they found out they were going to be facing Pittsburgh. And he makes his comment about how the Penguins have a lot of highly skilled forwards, they have some mobile defensemen, and they have two inexperienced goaltenders. And he just kept talking. Never broke stride, never broke a sweat. But he knew that even if the New York reporters weren't going to react to the quote, which, by the way, they didn't at all, it was going to make its way to Pittsburgh. 
and people were going to read it and react to it. And it was going to make its way into the Pittsburgh locker room as well. And I have no doubt that it did that. He was taking a direct shot at Jari and Casey DeSmith. He was saying, I see the two of you as the weak spot. I see the two of you as my chance to win this series. I don't know if I can beat Sidney Crosby. I don't know if I can beat Chris Letang. I think I can beat you. And if I do beat the Penguins, it's going to be because of you. So this salvo is tossed. And this, what we witnessed yesterday, was the result. This was what you got out of Tristan Jari in response to being called out as your team's primary shortcoming. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is just 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. DVR comes with it. There's no such thing as installation, no contracts, cancel anytime, no catches. And right now Fubo TV is offering our listeners a 7-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to fubotv.com. Slash DK. One more time, FuboTV.com slash DK to get 15% off your first month. I'm not sure what this says about Jari. I'm not sure if these were just playoff jitters. Bearing in mind, this was his first playoff game as a number one guy. He did get the one start last summer in the bubble, but that was kind of in an emergency uh, parachute role because Matt Murray just didn't have it. So he had a chance to come in and play the hero. It's, it's, it's just a different scenario. And he did play well, by the way. Just Carey Price played better. And for him to go out and do this, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it says. We don't have enough precedent on this guy. We don't have enough awareness of this guy. I don't have enough awareness of this guy. And I've been around him for a while. As I've shared with you many times, he's a hard read. He's friendly. He's easygoing, smiling all the time. Can't figure him out to save my life. No clue. But I do know this. In the middle of February, when things weren't looking so good for this goaltending tandem, not just Jari, and a lot of people had been starting to make noise that the first thing, the first point of order for Ron Hextel and Brian Burke should be to go out and get another goaltender. You're not going to do anything with this team with this goaltending. You can't just fix up the rest of the roster and ignore the goaltending. And a lot of that started to to pipe up. And 
The Penguins lost 3-1 to one to the Capitals. It's the middle of that week. And some people started saying, well, Jari looked a little bit better. He didn't give up a, a billion goals. He, he started to look a little bit more confident. And I didn't see him coming out and taking away angles at all. So I put forth the unpopular opinion, and it was unpopular, that he's still not doing anything. He's still not coming out. He's still not being aggressive, you know? He wasn't coming out and playing the puck properly. He just wasn't. He still didn't look like he did the best version of himself from the previous season. And I'm sure to a lot of people when I said that, it looked like I was just trying to continue being right for the sake of being right or whatever. Well, guess what happened? Guess what happened? A couple nights later, guess who comes to town? The Islanders. And the Islanders come at him like crazy. A lot of the same names you heard yesterday. Brock Nelson, Jordan Eberle, Matt Barzal, whole gang. And they came at him and they took lots of shots, lots of high-quality shots, odd man breaks. He was equal and exceeded all of them. He was outstanding. Penguins won the game 4-1, to one, and that doesn't do it justice. He was outstanding. It was an instant transformation. I don't know what happened then either. Did he read stuff? Did he hear stuff? Did he just roll out of bed funny in a good way? I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know that it happened. And once it did, that night set up two solid months of Jari and DeSmith ranking number bleeping one in the NHL in cumulative save percentage. The best goaltending in hockey was in Pittsburgh for two full months by the quote-unquote two inexperienced goaltenders. But the other thing about hockey culture that persists to this day is that everyone, coaches, players, execs, trainers, equipment managers, whoever, all believe with all their heart and soul that the playoffs are a completely different season, which is how you see someone like Kyle Palmieri from the Islanders who'd gone 17 games with just two goals after his trade from the Devils to instant playoff hero, and all is forgiven because it's the playoffs. It's different. Maybe that's what was in Jari's head. I don't know. I just don't know. Here's what I do know. This young man would do well to go back to that game against the Islanders on February 18th, pop in that video, Sit back, bucket of popcorn, whatever it takes to get through the entire thing and appreciate every millisecond of what he did that night at PPG Paints Arena and then think to himself why he did it. I can't know that answer, but he must. Oh, I tried at the time. You guys might remember. I tried. I asked, what, what changed? What changed? Nothing changed. Nothing. I didn't do anything differently. He knows. And 
He needs to figure it out. When we come back, just one question. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. back it's time for just one question and that's always brought to you on this program by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western pennsylvania and they in turn need your help go to pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how one dollar is all it takes to provide five full meals one dollar equals five meals pittsburgh food bank Org. Our question comes from BK, who says, obviously, Jari was the story in Game 1, but I was disappointed that the Penguins fell back into some old habits against Barry Trotz's 1-1-3 in the third period. Bad gaps, poor puck support, blue line turnovers. After beating the Islanders to the puck most of the game, they seemingly quit skating in the third. What the heck happened in the third? BK, what happened? And I don't even think it was the third. I think it was a little bit past the midway point of the second. Was it the Islanders didn't score on that four-minute double minor to Jeff Carter, but they did get some skating legs and did get some confidence. And in turn, they found a little bit of equilibrium from where the game had been to that point when the Penguins were just flying. I mean, the Penguins were doing really everything except beating Ilya Sorokin on any regular basis. Penguins missed the net uh, a fair amount. So that kept the game tight, and... The Islanders had a chance to, you know, kind of really take control there with the Carter thing, and they didn't. And then you've got 4,672 people in the building who did get up and cheer in the final few seconds of the PK, but it's nothing like what it would have been. My goodness, can you imagine? I mean, there's nothing. that This was a really, really good crowd, but it's still... 4,672 people for the final time, by the way, up to 9,000 for game two. So there wasn't any big momentum boost there for the Penguins either, and the game just kind of kept going on. And then Jari would give up a crappy goal. And then the Penguins would kind of get deflated, and the crowd would get deflated, and the whole room just felt like all the air got sucked out of it. The same thing happened in the third period. Penguins did go into the third leading. You know that? It was two to one. What changed it? Yeah, another one of those goals. 
and then another one of those goals. And then you're like, what's going on here? Well, Kasperi Kapanen had an answer for it. And it should have been a really emphatic, dramatic answer. That's a big-time playoff play by him and Carter. Carter gaining the zone authoritatively, then dropping the puck and Kapanen looking the net over and just crushing the far side past Sorokin. Should have been a great thing. Wasn't. Had no resonance. You know why? The goalie. Anyone who has played or coached or refed or done anything within the sport of hockey can attest to this. Your team's psyche is as stable as that of your goaltender. Because the moment you lose even the slightest semblance of confidence in that goaltender, then you change your style of play. I saw the Penguins doing things in overtime. I probably should highlight some of these things for a for a, a column tonight in DK Pittsburgh Sports, where I could go through these plays where you could see the defensemen, plural, really reaching and flailing at the Islanders' attackers as they came into the zone, which they hadn't been doing in the first period. Why were they doing that? Because they couldn't even risk a shot on goal. I asked Cody Cece after the game yesterday why he didn't put his stick in front of J.G. Pajot on one of those shots from Pluto, and CeCe tried to find a diplomatic way to say, look, I just I didn't want to risk deflecting it. I just wanted the goaltender to see it and stop it because it was an eminently stoppable shot from that point on the rink. Turns out it wasn't stopped, and CeCe ended up looking like a fool. Well, no one wants to be a fool, so they'll keep doing that stuff. They'll keep reaching, and it'll throw everything about the Penguin system out of whack. How do you instruct your skaters to have confidence in a goaltender that they lose confidence in? This is where this stuff snowballs. This is where Jari needs to stop it. Only he can do that. He needs to have not a good first period tomorrow night, not a great first period. He needs to have an extraordinary first period. He needs to have a first period that makes everyone think almost immediately, hey, listen, I was off for a little while there. Sat out those couple of games against Buffalo to end the season. Minor injury. I'm fine. All good. Who's with me? We'll see. We'll see. He'd better. That's all I have to say. He'd better. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we will do another one tomorrow. At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.